Hey there, folks. It's the Uticast episode 157. Last week, for our 300th episode, sorry, 300th episode, three-year anniversary, uh, you know, I wanted to have Heather do the intro in the way that I normally do it, because she makes fun of me for doing the intro. So do you want to do your Sam impression? Do you want to do it? Come on, give me one. How about you, Kev? You want to do it? What? Do it. You want to do me impression? I know you guys make fun of the way I do this. I'm not on yet. We like to watch the show. Yeah, we like to, we watch, like to watch you do We it. like to watch our friends. Yeah. Welcome back to. (laughs) You got to make sure you hit the folks really hard. You got to put your arms out. (laughs) Yeah, put your your arms out. All right. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. It's the Uticast episode 157. And this week, uh, we are joined by one of the Mount Rushmore guests of the show, longtime friend uh, Joe Marino is back. I think this is his fourth time. We had a very nice, candid conversation about lots of things. Uh, Also, this week, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the World Cup. We're going to talk about the major news of the week, some history lessons, uh, some happy stories stories, some sad stories, uh, all places in between, all that and more, folks. We'll be back in just a moment. Yeah, coffees today and uh, and energy beverages and such. So if the energy is down, you'll know why because we're not like mildly buzzed on alcohol this week. Unless Kevin, are you buzzed right now? Not that I know of. Not that you know of. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, folks, to the Uticast once again, episode one fifty seven. Not a landmark episode, not a special anniversary, not celebrating anything. Uh, Although we are celebrating the return of. What I was telling him, he got real. He got real nerved out when I told him this. I told him he was one of the Mount Rushmore guests oh, of Maiden yeah. Utica, and I was. And I'm going based on the just the people who have been here for mm-hmm. uh, as many times as they have. You know, him and Brendisi, and I guess Phil Fard has been here five times. Yeah. so I can't make the Mount Rushmore without him. You have to. Kerry uh, Bostic got a. Re- Got a going away episode and, and then, then also a return episode. That may never happen again, Frank. Um, yeah, I don't know if that'll ever happen again. So. Uh, so yeah, it's hard. Those are the four I can come up with. But if you guys are thinking of anyone that I'm totally forgetting, who's mad about it, um, you know they can they can get at me too. I'm trying to think of who else would be on there. Anyhow, uh, so guys, last week though, I just want to say I don't look at our numbers. It's not something we generally I generally do on this show. Last week was actually one of our most listened to episodes in in a very long time. That's awesome. Now I don't know if that's because it was like we're pushing the three year thing, or if we just had a lot of very excited libertarian get, listeners for one week. Right, just for the, we'll see. We'll see if the libertarian drop-off happens after this week. <laughs> like, um, Heather, of course, is here. Heather, how are you? Good. How was your week? Good. I mean, Monday. Yeah, yeah, how was your last <laughs> week? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I have to tell you, I put away five minutes for a spoiler-full discussion of Westworld, assuming you had caught up and I finished was, the season. Oh, feel free to. It's no, 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 it's all right. It's all right. We won't do it. We'll hold it off till next week. Uh, but I'll say this, for any listeners out there who want to recommend any new shows to me to start watching, <laughs> shoot a couple at me. That's all I'm saying. Does that mean you're done? I can tell that you're trying to do a thing, but since you've watched all of the available episodes, you would need a new show one way or another. Either way, I would need a new <laughs> show. So uh, hit me up with a new 
show. Uh, we'll, and we'll do our, I guess we'll do a Westworld recap next week okay. then. Make sure you watch it, though. I will. Because I'm, I'm very curious what, you th- what you're going to think about it. Uh, Kevin. Yeah, what's up? The what? Summer of Kevin. First week. How is the first week of the Summer of Kevin treating you? Uh, summary. <laughs> it's not been bad. It's been all right. Mm. Um, I can't complain. We had a uh, we had a nice outdoor jam session yesterday. We attended for uh, our friend's yeah. birthday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. It worked out. Everything worked out really well. It was nice to be around so many musicians. And that was uh, our GFOP, Dave Miliana, who you maybe have seen playing with the band Last Left here and there. He's an excellent bass player. Numerous bands over the years. Yeah, many bands down. over the years. Uh, it was nice to be around like a live music thing. It's been a while since I've done like a casual live music thing where people were just picking up instruments and jamming. Yeah. It was very fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Wish the weather held out a little better. Where do you go? Yeah, it was one of those perfect things where it's like this event is from seven till ten, and then it rained exactly <laughs> from seven, seven till ten. 10. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, so I was in D.C. this week. I don't know if I... I think I mentioned that a couple times. I think we all saw it, too. Yeah, I was. I spammed the Instagram page. Uh, Did you know that you can make, like, one post that has many photos in it that you side-scroll yeah. to? Yeah. Yeah. You can make stories, too. I could. <laughs> I I chose not to do either of those things, guys. Uh no, last year I did it and I used my personal page for it. Mm-hmm. But I, but it, it was very popular on my personal page last year. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this year I'll promote the show instead of promoting my personal brand. So I thought that I was doing a nice thing. And I thought people seemed to like it. People seemed to enjoy D.C. Uh, while I was in D.C., I read a report that uh, Washington, D.C. is actually uh, now considered the psychopath capital of America. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of every state, it is the state wh- which ranks the highest for people who have psychopathic tendencies. And uh, I'm not surprised. Right. <laughs> I've never been there, so I would have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I it's so weird because I actually really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ignore all the like the stuff that's happening around you, like all of, like the politics and protests mm-hmm. and people wearing signs, people with hats on, stuff like all the museums and like the areas and the restaurants are very nice. It's very cool to see all the stuff down there. Uh, it's just so weird that everything's so intertwined with all like the working. It's a very strange city. I don't know how to I don't know how to describe it. It's n- like no other big city I've ever been to. It's definitely worth going to if you've never gone. Just uh, just try and let whatever you see go on around you just go on and don't get involved. <laughs> don't get involved in anything. Much like any major metropolitan area, just go and visit. Just <laughs> yeah. let the people let the people creep whatever they want to do. Um. So, yeah. Uh, I just want to say one last announcement. Uh, I was talking to GFOP, another GFOP candidate uh, for maybe on the Mount Rushmores, uh, Michelle Truitt, who's been oh, on a couple yay. times. Uh, I really, I reached out to Michelle this morning, and I was like, hey, I don't know if you have any free time. I know that the, uh, the Levitt AMP series is going on starting today, uh, June 25th. It's running through August 27th. I wanted her to come on and talk about it, and she said, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll try and find some time, and she is absolutely swamped, I'm could sure. not come in at all. Uh, I told her that's no worries. Uh, we'll get her on sometime to talk about it, but for you folks who weren't already aware, that is going on uh, today and through the rest of the next two months. You can go to... Uh, you can go to Facebook and check out all the Levitt AMP stuff. I'll link everything after this. But, uh, you know, Michelle's a, a good friend of the show, and she's a big proponent for it. And it's really exciting. This is their third year. Is it once a week on Monday? Yeah, it's, mon- it it's on, on Monday. Mon- well, the, the band, yeah, there's live bands on Monday starting 6 to 9. Uh, again, I'll link oh. everything for all you folks who weren't aware. But it's a great uh, it's a great thing. It's come to the city three years in a row now. We'd like to keep it going that way. I saw them out there today setting up, getting yeah, ready. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. Looks really nice right around that area I right now with everything go. that's going on. I might go. You're going to go after this? You're going to bail Maybe. out during editing? When yeah, right during <laughs> <laughs> after I'm done doing all my editing. <laughs> mm. 
All right, guys, the World Cup is still going on. All right? And sure is. <laughs> I have three soccer-related stories. They're not actually about sports. I'm calling this the World Cup Good, Bad, and Ugly. So, uh, and I'll leave it up to you guys. Uh, wh- which would you like first, the good, the bad, or the ugly? The ugly. The ugly. You want the ugly first, Kev? Yeah. All right. Whatever Heather needs. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier this week, uh, Burger King in Russia posted a promotion uh, promising a reward of 3 million rubles, or $47,000, and a lifetime supply of Whoppers to any Russian woman who could get pregnant with the child of a World Cup player. This was a real... <laughs> this is a real promotion. This was on, this was on Deadspin. This is a real <laughs> thing. So this is your ugly World Cup story. Uh, they have indeed uh, offered their apologies now in hindsight. They've come back and updated that okay. story. <laughs> All right. So there's your, there's your World Cup update. So, uh, yeah, not the best marketing campaign, although a bold marketing campaign if I've ever heard one. And, uh, it's so outrageous. I like soccer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wild sport. All right, uh, so what would you guys like left? Would you like the good or the bad? Go ahead, Kevin. The bad. Mm, the bad. Uh, guys, the World Cup 2018, the beer supply is reportedly running low in Moscow. It is only about 10 days into the World Cup, 12 days, and they are already running low across the entire event. Uh, an anonymous waiter at an upscale Russian restaurant was quoted as saying, we did not think that they would want only beer. Uh, I feel like this is a miscalculation by the Russians by assuming that people uh, from other countries didn't drink as much beer as they did, right? Well, yeah, because the Russians drink vodka like just water. Vo- just vodka, <laughs> So right? they're like, what do you mean? We've got all this vodka. What do you want beer for? We are out of beer, but maybe you'd like one of our fine vodka beverages. Um, and I thought it was like the Russian people's fault necessarily, but then I looked at some of these pictures on social media of the way that they were selling beers. They're basically oh selling them in like eight packs to go with handles on them. So them. maybe maybe the concern is limit how many single beers you're giving out to people. That's actually great. <laughs> it's a great picture. I'll, I'll post that one for somebody. Um, and I guess after that ugly and bad story, here's a good one. Um, after Japan won a, uh, a very surprising uh, a victory over Colombia... Uh, earlier this week, uh, countries around the world were shocked at what they saw. Instead of just celebrating uh, their country's upset victory uh, and possible uh, promotion to the next round of this tournament, uh, Japanese fans stayed and cleaned up their sections of the stadium. <laughs> they actually cleaned up, all, up their all their garbage, garbage. picked up all their trash. Uh, that's, and it, that's the Japanese way. That's what they do. Yes. You'll see them doing it at a lot of events over in Japan and things like that where they're done and people just clean up all the garbage that gets left after a big event. Uh, yeah, this was actually a quote from Sheila Smith, a Japanese expert at the Council of Foreign Relations. Uh, Japanese are typically very responsible uh, about keeping public spaces clean and about moving uh, moving trash. But yesterday's game, I'm sure there's an element of celebration meshed in with the sense that our guests, uh, that as guests, Japanese fans wanted to be sure they honored their hosts as well. That's the unquote. Uh, and this has actually been spreading along the World Cup. Uh, fans of other countries have been seen doing the same. Uh, Senegal, Nigeria have had their fans. Nice. So that's a whole thing going around, cleaning up your seat. It does make me feel really bad for every time I've ever gone to a movie or a sporting event where and I just leave all my trash you on leave the your ground. Trash? Oh my God. That's part of what you pay for no. when you go to these events. They have pe- garbage cans right by the door. <laughs> uh, oh, well, the movie's not so much anymore, but if I'm at a baseball game and I'm eating peanuts, those shells are going on the floor by my feet. Like, there's no <laughs> okay. there's no question, right? You're still ordering 
unshelled peanuts at a baseball game? Wait, what? Are you crazy? That's are you? I don't whole know. Aesthetic. I'm asking. I bring peanuts with me. The whole aesthetic of baseball is the unshelled. I'm letting you in there with a bag of outside peanuts. <laughs> you can bring peanuts in. You to can bring, where? Yankee what State, kind of, You can bring anything. You can bring Mernane, maybe. Well, Yankee State, you can't bring a bag. You can of bring peanuts food. In no, no. Stadium. True story. You're gonna look this up. Uh, you can bring anything you want in Yankee Stadium. You can. Any sort of food. You can bring. You're, you can make a sandwich and pack it in your bag and bring it to Yankee Stadium. They're like, yeah, it's fine. What? Yeah. It's true. I swear to God. I I swear. I swear to God, it's a real thing. That they, doesn't seem. I brought food in Yankee what Stadium. What about beverage? No, nah, not like outside beverage. You can't bring in. They're gonna check your coolers and stuff. They're not gonna let you bring outside booze in. But you can but bring, they'll a let sand- you bring food. You can bring yeah, you can bring food in. You can bring food in. Yankee Stadium. They know what's up. They know what's up. Uh, <laughs> He's friends with them. I'm friends. It's my pals. Um, and then where are we at? We're at a lot of okay. All right. So let's run through just a couple uh, hits of the major stories of this week. Um, yeah, not all of them are great. So um, that's, that's America. <laughs> Welcome to our country. Uh, we talked a little bit about the immigration stuff last week uh, on the show, and it's a very tense discussion. I actually read, though, earlier this week that immigration is now considered the biggest, uh, the biggest shifting point for the upcoming elections. It's become like the number one issue for most voters. Uh, now, let me ask you guys, do you feel like that's your number one voting issue right now? It's one of them, for yeah. sure. Mm. I feel like that's whenever I feel like whenever there's some major story, like I'm sure that three months ago, like gun control was the major voting issue. I'm sure there's some aspect to it uh, of that uh, as well. But this has been very ugly. I feel like the conversation around this has been very sort of ugly and dark. And uh, I feel like the reporting has actually been pretty strong around it. I complain a lot about. Uh, how I feel like reporters don't put people uh, to the fire enough mm-hmm. about what they say. And I'm seeing more and more pushback on this topic in particular. Yeah, no matter what Trump throws out, Space Force or whatever, yeah. that still keeps, it's mm. still, that's still the number one thing right now. It's like education, I think. Like, the welfare of, like, children and families is a fundamentally not a partisan issue. Like, everyone has a family. Everyone, mm-hmm. like, you know I mean? Everyone is connected to it in some way or another. So I feel like it's real hard to make this a partisan issue. Um, uh, they do, and I, are they are? I mean, they they out there saying these people are on <laughs> Fox News, and they're saying on like Fox and Friends in the morning, like, well, you know, let's face it, these aren't our kids, these aren't oh, American read that. kids. So, yeah. like, what do we, what do we care? And it's just like, come on, come on man, like, because it shouldn't be, but for a lot of people, it is. Anything is a part. I feel like I've gotten to the point where I've like deleted people now that are for it. I mean, it. I had this discussion with Joe a little bit during the conversation, and a lot of times it seems like we're on a side now with politics where it's about winning and losing regardless of whether you're on the right side. Like we use this, I use the phrase, you want to be on the right side of history all the time, right? It's a very common phrase I use. But the key to it is you want to be on the right side of history even if the right side is the losing side. Just because you're on the winning side doesn't mean it's the right side, Right. And it does make you sort of question, like, what are like, what kind of country we want to be, right? Like, whether or not there's our, like, what what kind of country are we? What do we care about in this country? Like, what matters to us, right? Do you, do you think illegal immigration is more important than like keeping families together, right? I I don't know. There's just it's a very scary time, and you know, and I didn't see as much protest about this in D.C. as I thought that I was going to see, but it was there and. It, it seems like this is going to be probably the issue that we carry into November the hardest, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like this is where everything is going to campaign on. Uh, I don't know. No? There's a lot of months in between now and then. <laughs> mm. A lot of months in between now and then. And 
the, the the world that we live in now, the news cycle that we live in now, you, you have no idea. Mm. By the time the elections actually come around, this might be one of those things like, oh, yeah, remember when they were throwing the kids in camps? No, yeah. but I don't think kids are going to leave people's minds. I don't think it's going to be... I think it's going to be really strong during mm. the election. Yeah, but, like, if, they, if, they, if we go to war... Oh, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a lot of that's months. That's the one thing that would, like... Uh, if, the entire, if we if we slip all the way into you know a recession and everything tanks, mm-hmm. we have some sort of economic catastrophe, some sort of natural disasters. Yeah. It's insanely scary to think of you know all the other things that can happen between sure. now and then, and how much lower still it can go. Every time we hit a new low, people think you're at the bottom. Keeps going down, mm-hmm. and it can get a lot worse, and it probably will get a lot worse before it gets better. Mm. Mm. Have you talked to, like, other parents about this at all? Heather, is this, like, conversation that parents are having with their kids? I really don't have any friends who have parents. You have no parent <laughs> no, friends. I don't really have them. No, but I, it is. It, it, two, I had breakfast with two girl, old girlfriends today, and mm. we never, ever once talked politics. Not yeah. once. And today we talked about immigration. I've yeah. never talked to these two girls about politics my whole life, and we talked about that. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like so. my mom, my mom is coming to terms with the fact that a lot of her friends who she's never talked politics with for like 20, 30 years are, and now that they are, she's finding out how yeah. she feels like an outlier. And she's like, I never would have, I never knew any of these things because we never talked politics yeah. before. So, yep. uh, all right, what else going on this week? Uh, oh yeah, uh, it is Pride Month. It's Pride Week, a big gay Pride Parade in uh, New York this week. So for all my friends I saw out in New York having a good time, <laughs> all my uh, all my folks in the LGBTQ community and all the allies out there, keep rocking. The uh, the Lower East Side, the Greenwich Village uh, Pride Parade is pretty wild. <laughs> it's quite the show out there. Good times. Um, also this week, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has been a big story. I know this is, again, this is like the diversion story about all the other stuff that's going on, but... Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked to leave a restaurant in Virginia on Friday uh, by the business owner because of her connection to Donald, President Donald Trump. Uh, she then went on Twitter uh, complaining about it, uh, saying last night I was told by the owner of this restaurant, the Red Hen in Lexington, that I had to leave because I work for POTUS and I left politely. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about like the way we... Uh, I don't know, this just seems like there's a lot of conversation about this going on. Uh, it seems like a lot of Republicans are crying foul against this, and it seems strange. It seems like there's strange there's so much conversation about how these restaurants should react, right? I think they had every right What do you mean? Her. Like, uh, if, they should, should, if they should have thrown her out or like not? Like, should they or? have served or should they have thrown her out? Like, is that a... I guess they're private business. Like, didn't we just have a thing where the Supreme Court sided in favor of the gay baker who didn't want to serve yep. uh, the the gay couple? Yep. So isn't this the same kind of thing? Like, okay, if we've set this precedent, he doesn't have to serve her, right? He doesn't right? have to. Right? Isn't that, isn't that the end of the argument? Like, yeah, they're, uh, they're, yeah, they're disingenuous crybabies. Mm. They do this about everything. You know what I mean? They go and provoke reactions. They're like, oh, look at how we're being treated, and they whine and cry about but it. But no one's crying. No when one's there was like six years six years ago when a restaurant did the exact same thing to Joe Biden when he was the vice president of the United States of America, none of these same people cared at all. Mm. These people deserve it. If you see them everywhere, toss them out. Bye. I don't know. Go home. Eat food. Go somewhere else. You're not coming to my place. This is my place. I don't want you here. You're actively bad for America. See, well, I think that's where the divide you is. Cry about it, cry about it. <laughs> you, well, you see a lot of people who are taking the moral stance, which is like, no, we should be better than that, right? Like, better this is what? something that they would do. We shouldn't do I'm that. I'm not saying throw tomatoes at them. Right. I'm saying, no, goodbye. You know, I, I, I said the same thing, here. though. I, was, I wanted to take the moral road, and then Zach, I was talking to my husband, he goes, no, but look at what they're doing. Look what's happening. He has every right to not. Yeah. yeah it, and I was like, I didn't think about it. I wanted to be a good person. I want to be like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, you know, so it is the moral road. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to stand up and be firm with these people because 
if you take, you know, the rhetoric and the things that this person does, and if they didn't have such a high-profile position and they came in acting like that, you wouldn't want them in your restaurant anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you, people get banned from establishments. Yeah. And just because this person happens to work in a high-profile position doesn't mean they should be extended any more quarter than your average raving mentally lunatic would if they're coming in, disrupting your business, doing your things. You don't want the people in. That was the whole fight you guys had. You didn't have a problem. People didn't want to bake a cake for somebody or do flowers for somebody because it was a gay wedding. Then you can't sit here and cry foul when yeah. nobody wants that big disingenuous liar yeah. coming into the restaurant. I heard she's done. She said she wants out at the end of the year or whatever it was. I, if I was her, I would too. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, I guess the story that we won't give this very much time because it doesn't really deserve it. Do you guys have any thoughts about Melania Trump's tone-deaf jacket that she wore uh, when she was going to meet with the detained immigrant children? Of course, the jacket uh, had the words in the back like, what is it? Uh, I don't really care, do you, was the thing. Do you, do you see well, anything on yeah. this? I heard that there's two stories with that. One is... Um, one was she was doing it to despite her husband. They think that that might be. Um, and the other one, obviously, is because they're doing it towards the news. But, well, I, it was not appropriate to wear that at that time. <laughs> I would never think of that coat any other time but during that. <laughs> I just thought it's, you know, and I'm thinking about it from, like, this girl, this woman has, like, lots and lots of money. Like, why is she buying a $39, like, windbreaker from the Zara clearance rack? Like, it's not like... For this, it's, anybody who thinks that it wasn't, you know, there was some sort of accident is just a fool. Like, I don't... Yeah. Of course it's done to send a and message, it, and of course she doesn't care. And at first I was excited that she was going down there. I was like, oh, look at that's That's mm-hmm. nice. She's going down there. And all of a sudden that comes in, and I'm like, really? Like, yeah, and I mean, all the faith I had left in her. She and a little bit more. She gets for, she gets forgotten because of this wild cast characters out there now, but like she's a deplorable racist scumbag yeah. and has been for a long time. Like she's openly a racist person, just the way the rest of these assholes are. Like she's not some like I some people like to paint her as like this noble prisoner and like she's trapped in this awful situation. <laughs> she's, not. she's not. She's and like yeah, I don't think she thought it was gonna shake out quite this way, and that probably sucks for her, but like she knew what she was getting into. Yeah. She's a dirtbag. The jacket's a dirt bag. It's a dirt bag move. Throw tomatoes. I mean... Throw tomatoes. <laughs> this one will throw tomatoes at. Uh, all right. Very good. So that's the news of the week, uh, of last week. Let's move on to this week's interview uh, to one of our Mount Rushmore guests. Uh, always great to talk to uh, Joe. He's pretty fired up this week. He had a lot yeah, to say. Twitter was a little crazy, too. Oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, we talked a lot about what's going on with uh, Utica Fire Department and the letter he wrote uh, asking Mayor Paul Mary to step down as public safety commissioner. Uh, we talked a lot about all the paving that's going on, all the construction. Uh, talked a little bit about the summertime. We talked a little bit about national politics. We're all over the place. It's always nice to talk to Joe. He's very candid. Uh, great having him on. One of our Mount Rushmore guests, Joe Marino. Back in just a moment. I was trying to come up last week, and uh, and Joe, I, I want to reach out to you last week, but it turned into a big, long, giant show anyway, because, uh, Joe, you're probably on, I was trying to figure out what the Mount Rushmore of guests uh, on this show has been. 
I know that it's... Man, what an honor. If I, you're going to go where you, I think you're going to go. Well, it's probably you... I'm trying to think of just the people who've been in here the most. It's you and Anthony uh, and probably Carrie Bostick, who used to work at the OD. She's been sure. on a lot. And, of course, Phil Farda, who we were who was on a lot when we were early on. He's Great a funny comedian. guy. Yeah. But I need... I guess what I need is I need one of my more Photoshop uh, fluent listeners to give me that Mount Rushmore picture with the four of you on it. That's my plan. Man, if you do, I will purchase a blown-up version of it. First, cross Anthony directly out. Uh, move Carrie off to the side center somewhere because she needs to be there for the look of it. It's true. The good yeah. aesthetics of it. No, that's great. Listen, mm. I, like I always tell you, it's an honor, honestly, to be here with someone that loves the city as much as I do, and I know that most of us do that come on this show. Oh, thank you. And uh, so it's our pleasure. It's my pleasure. I can speak for me. It's absolutely a pleasure. I'm glad to be here. No, I appreciate it because, you know, a lot of times, you know, and again, we had a three-year three year anniversary last yeah, week. Yeah, congratulations, Thank you. by the way. That's Thank wonderful you. news. Uh, it went really fast. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I think That's about right. this three years all the time. I like, get so fast. Right. Um, no, thank you. And uh, and one of the things I, I always think about is it wasn't always easy initially, right at the beginning particularly, finding people who didn't really know us who would come in and talk to us. I had to lean on a lot of friends. So uh, you were you came on and you were pretty open very early on, and I always appreciated that. So thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, no, thank my you. Pleasure. I mean, you guys, you, you've made a name for yourself, clearly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, for me, it's it's an easy decision. I personally, I like to let people know how I think yeah. and how I feel. Hmm. But, you know, this is my favorite show to do, and I'm not just reciprocating oh, in it, <laughs> but it's my favorite <laughs> thing to do. That. It really is. It's just a nice hmm. sit-down conversation. Hmm. We talk like two guys at a bar or at a coffee hmm. house. That's the best way to have an interaction with any government official. So it's my pleasure. <laughs> now I got to ask you this: uh, I just saw this on your and your Facebook page and social media. Mm-hmm. We just had a big anniversary, but you also celebrated a big anniversary last week—your fifteenth wedding anniversary. Congratulations! Well, thank you very much. Yeah, my wife and I have been together for twenty-two years total as uh, as a couple, mm. and um, yesterday was in fact our fifteenth engagement anniversary mm-hmm. which is a big deal huh. not normally and i'm not you know mm. I, i'm very sentimental towards my wife whom i love very mm. much but you know those kind of dates don't usually stick out in people's mm-hmm. minds this one in, in particular did just because of the effect and in, in the personal and when she hears it she'll know what yeah. i mean and not many of your listeners will but <laughs> it was a very particular day for us june 23rd mm. uh 1998 mm. i believe no 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 2003 uh, 98 was when we around when we started yeah. dating, uh, 97, 98. But 2003 was a very, very special time for us. Mm-hmm. So we always celebrate our wedding nice. anniversary engagement. Huh. See, that's nice, though, too, because I think that, like, it's not so much sometimes the, the dates that you start at beginning, it's the ones that mean something to you. It's those moments, yeah. right, those special moments you remember. Yeah, I mean, everybody, obviously, we all, of course, celebrate our anniversary mm-hmm. as well. But uh, that date meant more to us than any other date mm-hmm. um, nice. for a lot of great reasons that we share. Now, uh, did you guys, were you guys like high school sweethearts type? We were, yeah. I, was I saw in, some of those pictures you posted. With, I know, uh, I had a lot of had, hair. You guys had, had great a lot, hair. had a lot of hair, right? <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. That was uh, that was four elections, four kids, and uh, one one wife ago. Um, yeah, we met in high school. Um, you know, both born and raised in Utica, went through the whole Utica school system. You know, the whole, oh, yeah. you know, real traditional high school sweethearts thing. I mean, we've been through a lot together. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'd be where I am now. I, in fact, I'm certain of it, um, that I would not be who I am today as a father and as a man. Certainly not career achievements and anything like that. I don't mean to be bold enough to say sure. that I'm somewhere. But um, I wouldn't be the person that I am today if it weren't for my wife. So 
I owe a lot to her. She stuck through me uh, a lot of garbage with me, and uh, she's she's hammered out a lot of kinks in my armor. So uh, <clears throat> yeah, so been I get that's what I mean. Twenty two years. So uh, nineteen ninety six. In fact, nineteen ninety six in September we started uh, seeing each other. All our friends knew each other, and we didn't talk. And she hated me. I think. In fact, did you go to your first date? Did you guys take her out somewhere? Or did she? Yeah, I took her to uh, to see a terrible movie called Bulletproof with Adam Bulletproof. Sandler. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> that was that, awful. Wait, is that the one with him and Damon Wayans? Damon Wayans, where they're, yeah. Yes, they're handcuffed together. Yeah. Wow. It was at the Riverside wow. Mall. I do remember that yeah. movie. <laughs> they were at the Riverside Mall. <laughs> did she like it? She probably didn't care. She, Sam, she was so infatuated with me, she didn't even pay attention to the movie. I'm going, you know what's funny, when you go to, I was trying to debate this with somebody last week, I think that going to a movie is not always a great date, because it's like, hey, would you like to go to this movie with me? We're going to go somewhere and not talk for two hours. Or look at each other. Or look at each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, this I know. Is, this is a great date, we didn't talk or look at each other the whole time. Yeah, when you're 18 and 17, it's the greatest thing you could ever do. I mean, where were we going? You know, wing night at Cavallo's oh, yeah. or... Oh, wing night. Wing yeah. night was... That was a big moment. I it think was. That all the time. It was. Yeah. We. Uh, but yeah, that's mm. the first place we went. That's a good date. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, I do have to ask you about some serious stuff that's going on. Some yeah. city-related questions. Some things that are going on. Sure. First off, do people? Do you, how many messages do you get a day from people with like pictures of potholes? Like, do people just send you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you do. I. I, I mean. Uh, I. You know. I, I go through this with my my wife sometimes or my, my friends of mine. Yeah. I think I even beat Anthony, <laughs> right? Because, and here's the and same for Claudia Tenney. The thing about being a council person that you have to accept when you take this job is that you're very directly accessible. Yeah. You know, so for me, I'm one of nine people that make a decision, and mm-hmm. you can really spot one of nine. Brindisi in the state assembly or Griffo in the state yeah. senate, it's very easy to kind of get, you know, tossed into the fold and not really come out as like a stick out like a sore thumb kind of right right you know so um i probably i mean on average get about maybe 50 to 100 messages a day between email and facebook and texting yeah yeah that would give me tremendous anxiety i can't say i actually take it as a challenge i look i right i've done this on purpose i did this to my no one forced me to be a council member or a city government official so i take that job pretty seriously and i i respect everyone that gets a hold of me and i actually I like the fact that I'm very easily accessible. I always have my cell phone with me. Mm-hmm. People have my cell phone number. Um, so, you know, it, it's okay. It's not... I, I take it as a challenge. Mm. How many things can I help people with in a given day? And if I don't call someone back in a day or two, yeah. I actually get anxiety. I feel oh, yeah. like I've let someone down. Infrastructure is kind of an interesting... It's an interesting, like, uh, government aspect, right? It's the kind of work that is probably underappreciated, right? People don't think about infrastructure work until it needs to be done, right? Yeah, the fascia of it is yeah. easy to think about, the top soil of the yeah. of the roads, but infrastructure in general, it's a global term, which yeah. has, you know, sub-base problems, sewer mm. problems, things like that, so you're right. I mean, it's not a very sexy topic. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not, which is why, you know, not to get veer off too much, but uh, that's why I'm really not in favor of the governor's, uh, you know, mm. kind of pay-to-play uh, sure. You know, hunger games of grant money. Mm-hmm. We as a city don't get money to spend any way we want any longer. We've yeah. got a stagnant state uh, mm-hmm. aid fund, right? Mm-hmm. So we get $16 million a year. And because of that, we should be going up a percentage each year. And mm-hmm. just like kind of school funding and things like that. You'll always mm-hmm. see Utica City Schools, Syracuse Schools, Whitesboro Schools, mm-hmm. they'll get a percentage bump in their state aid. 
the municipalities across the state have not gotten any state aid bumps. Mm-hmm. And all of that money that would have came to us is going into this pot where Cuomo kind of picks winners and losers. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a proponent of a lot of the things that Governor Cuomo has done, but, you know, I'm a very boisterous activist against some of the things mm-hmm. that he's done, and I don't mind saying it because it's really hard for us to maintain our roads when we're getting no state aid increases. I have to admit, um, you know, we had we had uh, gubernatorial candidate Larry Sharp on here last week, and, of mm-hmm. course, he, he talked a lot about Cuomo and, uh, and really hit on the idea that he's like, you know, a lot of people who are Democrats in upstate New York don't even really like him. And I was like, well, that's, of course, the thing you would say, right? Because you're working against this guy, right? That's the narrative you want to go. But I will say, more and more over the last few months, I have noticed a sort of kind of ambivalence toward Cuomo at best sometimes from people in upstate. Do you think there's something something to that? Do you think he really, it feels more like he feels more like a downstate candidate sometimes? Yeah, it's a good question. But I really don't. And here's, here's my take on it. It's just my humble opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, from Democratic issues and me being a Democrat, yeah. I actually support very much what he does. Sure. I support very much that he's, you know, in particular right now, currently, mm-hmm. we have families being separated. There's several hundred children of immigrants that have been separated from their families. I very much support his take on that. Uh, LGBTQ right. issues I take mm-hmm. very seriously. Uh, but, you know, certain things, um, just like in the city, you know, look... Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a Democrat, a Republican, a Libertarian, a Tea Party member. Right. You know, outside of being, you know, a fascist and, an, a, you know, mm. and a complete bigot yeah. when you have those values. I'm, politics aside, if there's something that is common sense law, yeah. it's common sense. I don't care what letter is after your name at the back of your quotes. Right. You know, that's not something. So for upstate, I really think that I think that some common sense things get kind of pushed off to the side and mm-hmm. you get a little resentful. Uh, but I think I think Cuomo's an equal opportunity kind of money hoarder. Yeah. I think he hoards the money from New York, <laughs> he hoards it from up here, and he just divvies it out at, at his leisure. And um, I get the concept yeah. of, of economic development through state funding. I get it. But when it hinders municipalities and it puts us in a, in, in a hole and, um, and you know people are just crushing their axles on yeah. their cars... Um, you know, I've, I've talked to Governor Cuomo personally, and I, I've, I've mentioned that we need state aid increases. Um, so I, I don't mind saying it. But, you know, look, like I said, the liberal uh, concept of the things that he does is right. very much. Well, and that's a great point, too, because I think that, you know, we do live in a political atmosphere now where a lot of people will like, I disagree with you on this one thing. I'm going to disagree with you on everything. Yeah. I like the idea that, you know, you guys are not afraid to talk to him about issues about upstate. But again... We're talking about the greater agenda about what really matters. Like, he still stands up for a lot of the things we believe in for the most part, right? No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't like to be put in a box of, you know. Exactly. If you're a Republican, that means you're this. If you're a Democrat, that means you're Mm -hmm. that. Um, I think that that's unfair. And I frankly, honestly, the people that I speak to more often than not feel the way I do. I think Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, there's some people in the middle of the road, the far right and far left, sometimes Mm -hmm. they get so hooked on their own agendas they can't see the greater good. And, yeah. um, you know, that's uh, the way I kind of portray my politics is the kind of person I look for in a politician. Right. You know, yeah. so I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You know, and, you know, some people may hear this and say, well, you know what, uh, you know, you should be more, uh, if the guy's a Democrat, you should really support right. him. If the guy's a Republican, you should really hate him. Uh, look, you know, I thought Richard Hanna was one of the better Congress people we've had oh, yeah. in, in my lifetime. Mm. I think on the local level, too, and on a smaller state level, 
it, it isn't doesn't feel the way that it does on national politics. When you look at those national politics; those moral arguments feel much different. It, yeah. It's when something about that state level, local level government. It the differences between Republican and Democrat don't seem as different because you're because you're dealing with more localized regions and more smaller groups of people. I feel like. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, again, it's it's same. I think that those national politicians, they like those lines. I yes. actually, yeah. I know a, a lot of national politicians at this point in my yeah. life, right? I've met a lot of them. I don't even think they believe half the shit that they say. Pardon the language. Well, I don't I mean, think they even believe it. I think this immigration issue that's going on right now, which is disgusting, right? This this child separation stuff. I think this has really been an interesting tipping point for the way that people are perceiving what's going on around them, right? Like, right. I'm starting to see a lot more politicians be like, right or wrong lines, like, again, going against the lines of politics, like, this is a bad thing, regardless of what's yeah, going on. Yeah, but you've seen how they tried to carry it forward for as long as they could, of right? Course, Until right. they really started again. I mean, they really mm-hmm. tried to hold the line, some mm-hmm. of these national Republicans, on, look, Sorry, you shouldn't come into the country. Therefore, your kid's gonna get stripped away, and, and until they get real, real pushback. So, like I said, I don't even think they believe some of the things that they say. It's just it's become a way to get elected and self preservation. Oh, I think you know, and what scares me is a lot of these people. I don't. Th- I think a lot of times about like what side of history you want to. Be. You want to be on the right side of history at the end of the day. Whether it's the winning side or the losing side is a different question. But you want to feel like what you fought for was the morally right choice, the upstanding choice for not just you, but for everybody. Perfectly right? and, put. And that part scares me. <laughs> well, that's perfectly put because some people choose conversely, yeah. and I've never really actually heard anyone say it that way, and I might steal that from you. Please, anytime you want to use yeah, it. Yeah, because most people say that line, they want to be on the right side of history, but use it as a winning and losing side. Yes. They want to be on the winning side, irrespective of their personal agenda and their, their actual morality. Yeah. They want to be on the winning side. I like the way that you put that, People though. People like a winner. You should want to be on the right side because it's the right, right thing side. for you, whatever mm-hmm. that means. Yeah. I respect people that have differing mm-hmm. views. I actually enjoy it. It's a nice debate. But um, but that's a well-put mm-hmm. way to put, well, go about that. You can feel free to use that anytime you I like. I promise you I will quote you, though. Um, so uh, I just want to get into this really quickly, too, because uh, I know that this was uh, an issue as well. A lot of stuff going on. Utica Fire Department. Uh, a sure. lot of. I don't want to get into every little detail of this because it's, it's okay. been. There's been some good coverage. A lot of people, and I don't want to. I know. Oh, it's Greg's, okay. Anything yeah. you need. Um, outside of the scandal, there was a letter on June 14th that you put out, uh, and I don't know what the response was. You were basically asking Mayor Paul Mary to step down as the public safety commissioner based on what had happened. Now I don't know if there's been a response since that time to you for this letter, and I'll, I'll leave that to you. Has he responded at all to that letter to you? No, I've actually written him several letters, and in that particular letter that you're talking about, um, see, I, I say this, and we're really local here, so a lot of people that are even listening have mm. met Mayor Paul Mary. It's Many not like times. a you know like yeah. a like a vice president or a president. Sure. So. I say this all the time. I choose to do what I believe in, irrespective of the outcome politically. Right. So, I, I, in other words, I'm not a good politician. I, I believe that I do things for the reasons that I believe that they're valuable to the people. So, <clears throat> when I ask, I've never met Rob Palmieri. Never met him in my life. I've met Mayor Palmieri several times. Interesting. Right? So, yeah. I don't, if people say, well, you know, are you going after the mayor by saying yeah. this? No, I'm saying that logistically, yeah. the fact that you carry two valuable positions in the city of Utica is becoming a financial burden to us, not a benefit. So in my letter, I say clearly, you may think you're saving the city $75,000 in another position, 
but you're actually costing us liability in the three lawsuits, two and a half, the one that will come now from this sexual harassment claim, you're costing us money. So please, for the sake of the good of the city, Hmm. consider getting a professional. Because what happens is, is if this does become an issue and then the Chief Brooks issue is is an issue and there's several others that have been, you know, publicized where there's been a fireman that had a... um, a little indiscretion. Yes. Right? And then there was a, another, there was a police officer that mm. got into a fist fight with a fireman and, yeah. you know, fractured his orbital bone. So there there are things, because of the fact that you're a politician, it seems clear to me that you cannot make a judgment based on what's right. You're making it based on what you think people will think. Right. Which is, kind of goes back to what you said. Mm-hmm. Trying to fall on the right side of history, but not because it's right, because you want to try to be on the winning side. And that hurts us. So, <clears throat> so I wrote him a letter, and I said, uh, I said quite plainly that you're actually costing us money. You're costing the department's morale. Um, and I believe firmly that the issue should have been nipped in the bud. And I used the example of Sheriff Machel mm. as to how a non-politicized decision is made. Sheriff Machel happens to be a politician because sheriffs are elected. Mm. But in the same week that this uh, chief, now Deputy Chief Kelly instance yeah. happened... Uh, there was a correctional officer who was selling marijuana mm. in the jails, bringing in weed, passing it yeah. off, making a couple bucks. Sheriff Mayshill heard about it and fired the guy right away. Okay. Right away. No one is talking about how every CO in the correctional department for the county is a weed-selling degenerate. Yeah. It's the one guy. Right. By way of the fact that the mayor did not nip this case in the bud... We now hear all over the place that the fire department's a bunch of deviants, mm. that they are Neanderthals, that it's a frat house, what is going on in those firehouses. It's not true. There's 123 guys that come to work of the 124 who save our lives within three and a half minutes. Mm. That's what I'm concerned with, response time. Mm. So the fact that the mayor didn't nip this in the butt, he allowed the conversation to be extended, mm. and that allowed the fire department to take a giant punch in the chin from the public. I didn't think that that was fair. And I think if you had a public safety commissioner, you can insulate yourself from that political decision because I believe, from me, it was political. Now, is it common? This is the other question I had. Is it common for someone to have both jobs, typically? No, it's not common. It's more common to have the other. It's more common to have mm-hmm. separate separate jobs or none at all and then just have your chiefs run the departments in full, in totality. Mm-hmm. Um so, but it is, it's not, it's not unheard of to have multiple right. jobs as the mayor. Uh, but you know what, it, it, again, what it allows you, it just allows, because a public safety commissioner would never run the departments, right? Mm-hmm. So if the question is, well, if we had a public safety commissioner, um, then that, and it's going poorly, that means the departments are being run poorly. Right. It's not the case. That, that's not what their job would be. Mm-hmm. Their job would be a liaison to the department itself and the mayor. It would offer yourself, you know, this word buffer keeps on coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, see, he, here's here's the real facts that I haven't really said in public, Sam, and I'll give it to you mm-hmm. the way that I find it in private. Chief Brooks was unceremoniously re- retired yeah. from the, the pl- fire department. I'd be lying if I didn't look at that article when this came out and said, huh. That's pretty, the, pretty much the first thing I looked at. It's, it's pretty interesting, similar. yeah. But what happened is this. That didn't go very well for Mayor Palmieri. And that really... Mayor Palmieri does not like when things don't go well for him. Sure. The first thing he does is react very defensively. In this particular case, he blamed everybody except for James Schoolcraft Sherman yeah. for this issue. <laughs> blamed past mayors, blamed Chief Brooks himself, 
blamed, you know, the father of the victim, uh, you know, yeah. the father of the victim. I mean, he's a poor man whose life is being torn upside down. I'm pretty sure the last thing he wanted to do was thrust his family into the situation. He right. went to the guy as public safety commissioner and said, please help my family. My son got himself into a situation he couldn't get out of. Yeah. Realized my kid's not going to get a job, but look what's going on in the department. Yeah. The mayor basically said, adios. So now if you're an employee in the, in the city yeah. of Utica, let's say you're a woman, because this is another thing, if it was a woman, this issue would be completely different. Mm-hmm. Completely different. But since this is a man in this case, and to go back to what I've never told anyone in public, the fact that Rob took it on the chin for being... Uh, such a strong opponent of Chief Brooks and getting rid of him the way that he did, instead of making the smart play, I would have, you know, if I was Palmieri and I hated Brooks as much as I did, I would have given him a parade down Genesee Street. Yeah. And let him, if you want him out, there's other yeah. ways to do that than to take a 40 year veteran and kick him out on his rear end. Yeah. But he didn't. And the person that he handpicked to replace him yeah. is John Kelly. And it looks bad for him. It looks very bad for Mayor Palmieri to have his handpicked yeah. guy. Who replaced a forty-year cancer victim? Yeah. So he had to, in my opinion, do everything he could to not make this issue become public. So when he got the information several months ago, he did the only thing that he knew would have a negative outcome. Negative meaning, the outcome that he wanted. He he ordered a criminal investigation, and again, he's the public safety commissioner. So. It smacks of he controlling the investigation, he's controlling the fire department, and he's the mayor, so he has his hands on all of it. So what he did was he ordered a criminal investigation. My four-year-old daughter, Sam, knew it wasn't a criminal case. Yeah. Two consenting adults. You know, sexual harassment is different, you know, because I'd like to challenge anyone that says that the victims of Harvey Weinstein were thrilled to go up to his hotel room. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And I've heard that argument stupidly on some places, and just like, come on. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, you know, I mean, you know, I understand that those women were adults. Yeah. But, I, look, I won't even disparage the looks of Harvey Weinstein. The mm. fact of the matter is, no woman wants to mm. be thrust into a situation with someone that looks like Brad Pitt. Mm. They have the right and it's they a deserve... control thing. It's a, right, exactly. So this particular kid was, in my opinion, and the father's opinion... Being controlled, he should have been offered counseling. He should have been taken away from the situation with John Kelly, but he wasn't because the mayor didn't want to talk. Yeah. The problem is he ran into a father scorned. Yeah. And the father was not going to let this exactly. go quietly, irrespective of what the mayor would have liked to have happened. Yeah. And then subsequently you see what's going on now. So in my opinion, the guy should have been taken off the job. Yeah. He should have been removed from the situation. He should have been investigated yeah. for internal abuse of his powers. Yeah. Not for criminality. No one thought. But if you do a criminal case and you want to tell the public, hey, look, we investigated it. We did it right away. We just looked at it. Guy gave it to us. First thing I did was call the UPD to see if there was a crime. Again, that was a particular outcome from a particular, uh, you know, uh, yeah. request. So, uh, so now where we are is we have a you know a very low morale fire department, and they just want and I want someone to come out and say. If your house is on fire, the most professional fireman will be there within three and a half minutes. That's it. And that's the truth. Uh, same with the police department. The police department is also in a very precarious situation because they are now under the direct supervision of a guy who has, again, a political interest in a particular yeah. outcome. And they are investigating their brothers in in law enforcement and in, in public safety. They don't want to be responsible for that. Internal affairs was meant to investigate 140 policemen. Hmm. Not 140 policemen plus 124 firemen. Yeah. Now, they're do- now their duties are doubled. Hmm. And by the way, these guys all respond to the same scenes. Yeah. Right. So if there's a fire, 
it's not just fire trucks out there. There's ambulance, police, fire. So everyone's there. And what you get is, you know, perhaps a policeman breaking the orbital bone of a fireman. And now there's no camaraderie and there's no morale. And there's, so all of that, I think, could have been very easily quelled mm. by just having a public safety commissioner insulate the mayor from this particular decision. It would have even helped him. It would have been beneficial to him. It would have gotten rid of this story. And people wouldn't think that we have seven frat houses floating around Utica. And that seems to be the general like feeling for when people read these stories. This is what we get. And again, I just want to I want to make so you did you got no response initially to any of these letters. I got no response. I've sent several letters, and um, I even offered in my letter because again, I understand that I you know the mayor and I have vast differences in managerial style. I get that. I, I clearly don't mind telling him uh, when I have differences in style. I don't mind um, you know announcing to the public that I'm doing my job and trying to. Uh, to work with everyone, I, I offered at the time because I'm no public safety yeah. specialist, I'll tell you that. But I have an advanced degree in accounting, and I know our city budget backwards and forwards. Mm. So if it's a money issue, I offered in the letter to put our differences aside, sit with the mayor at his discretion, at his time and his leisure, mm. and I will find a way to find the money for a public safety mm. commissioner to help our guys that are just on the streets. And uh, But again, you know, the mayor responds to publicity not to uh not to private calls and um you know it's it's unfortunate but i will continue to try i will continue to work with the guy just like uh you know donald trump's same situation yeah. i don't i don't uh, particularly care for the way donald trump behaves i don't care for his policies mm. but i will never pray to god that he fails because that means the country fails. right right that was uh that was a joke that i read someone say in the end it's like you know a lot of these people when he went to Korea or whatever went on. And no one really knows what went on over there, right? Sure. Because you know, the idea is, no matter what was said over there, when we came back, it was always going to be, it was great, what an amazing Naturally, moment, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 no matter what happened. Yeah, I got a haircut. Yeah, it did. Right, no, I know. Um, but uh, it's all optics now. Like, it's, if he can present this image to the 30% or 40% of people who are going to buy into whatever he does anyway, mm -hmm. then that's fine. Uh, they also, the morals... It doesn't surprise you when he does something wrong. If you lower the bar for what people expect you to do, mm -hmm. they're not surprised when you do something below it. Whereas if you try and hold that moral high ground mm -hmm. and then you do something below it, it's like, oh, well, look at this guy. I mean, he's a, you know, it, it, it seems less, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, that's something I think about all the time with him. No, and, you know, and, and that's why I don't, you know, I, I don't like to kind of corral um, Mayor Palmieri into that situation, yeah. but sometimes it seems that way yeah. because... You know, there are a lot of decisions that could be made that aren't, you know, for picking up grass clippings for yeah. crying out loud. You know, there's, you, you drive around the city. It's not like you're, uh, you know, like, you know, a United States Supreme Court member and you live in Washington, D.C. and you have no idea what's happening in California. Yeah. You're driving home. You see that there's stuff everywhere. Relent and take away, you know, get, just take a little bit of your ego, put it on the table and say, look. I told everybody not to put stuff out on the curb. I see that that message wasn't clearly, you know, sent out the way it should have been. Mm -hmm. So here it is. I'm telling you now. We're going to send everybody one more time. This is it, though. You know, we're done. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. He, he left things out there for four weeks. He had, I had older women calling me, um, you know, from a landline because, you know, they were not, they were not Facebook messaging me in one of my messages. But um, I had older women, two older women in particular called me and they said, we called the city. The city was told that they're not allowed to pick anything else up. We had to call a private hauler. 
One woman, one woman spent, I think, $212. One woman spent $580 mm. to have stuff picked up from her house that she got an 8% tax increase for. So, again, I sent the mayor a letter after I tried to communicate with everyone. I tried to communicate with uh, the DPW. Their hands were tied. The mayor wasn't allowing them to do anything. So, I, I mean, the only way I know how to effectively get his attention is through mm. publicity. And, and, you know, and, and believe me. Uh, phone calls and, and visits to, to his office clearly don't work. I, you know, I need to get things done. I need these people to have the service that they were they should be. No one's doing you a favor by picking up grass in front of your house. It's not a favor. Look, if I can speak, you know, if I can speak freely about it, I think that your your ability to reach out to people and do that has been to your favor. You know, I mean, knowing when I know when I talk to a lot of people in this city, whether it's on the show, outside of the show, at my I work in education, I work in different jobs. I, I see a lot of folks, right? Sure. You have a very high uh, approval rating, at least from like the talking test for the people I talk to. And a lot of it comes down to the sort of transparency you have with talking to people. And I do think that going forward, that's like something that people don't always feel from politicians. And especially now, yeah, that's a big non-selling point for people if this person doesn't feel like they can relate to you. Well, I appreciate it because I, I actually actively try. And yeah. that, that's something that's important. So thank you. But I can tell you this. A lot of people have been very good to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm i just some kid from North Utica that moved to East and got elected yeah. because I love the city. Yeah. I wasn't trying to be a big shot. Still, I'm well aware that I'm not. <laughs> um, but a lot of people have been very good to me, and they've been very good to this city. Mm. So, again, when you're telling, you know, people you got to pay 8% more in taxes, but maybe we'll pick up your grass clippings, that's an abhorrent way to, to handle a mm. municipality. It's not really fair and but it, that's not rocket science. You don't need to be, you know, some political genius to know that if you plow the roads, you fix them up, and you give people the service that they pay for, mm-hmm. then you'll you'll be successful. But when it goes weeks and weeks, so if if someone said to me, you know, Joe, um, you know, especially with the grass thing, why don't you lay off? You know, why don't why, why don't you, you know, you know, maybe the guy's doing the best he could. Why don't you lay off the mayor? I say this. Five whole weeks I tried to communicate. And that's that's a testament to the department that's too because I can tell you directly, it is, you know, it is very difficult to work with um, City Hall on the second floor. So because of the relationship that I have with the department heads that they've trusted with me, I get to get things done. Right? Because if I call if I call the mayor's office, it's clearly you know, and again, I don't mean to bash the guy. I'm just saying that the fact of the matter is he doesn't respond, and the proof is in the pudding. I mean, we so go, thank goodness we have good departments and good yeah. department heads. I mean, I'm not giving too much away. I know that Katie and Justin have been on Twitter rants about it over the last few days. You know, we got approved for Handshake City stuff yeah. months ago, yeah, <laughs> and I we're am. still waiting on signatures so we can do anything. I think today was the first day we've been able to even go down to the lot to look at stuff today. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? But I know. I uh, Believe me, I, I, I hear those stories all the mm-hmm. time. But again, this is not. This is a city of sixty-two thousand people, not sixty-two million. Yeah. Exactly. So we have a very, very strong opportunity to go sit in a lot of people's living rooms, much like this one, and say, "How do you feel? What What could we do?" I go to I go to people's homes all the time. Joe, I got a pothole. Could you come and take a look at it? Yeah. I will send me a picture. You know, I, well, I can't take a picture. Okay, I'll be right there. Yeah. What's I mean? It's a, it doesn't take much out of your day. It does, and it and it gives people the confidence that they're actually being heard. And not to just hear them, to actually try to do something on their behalf. It happened with, you know, that Stewart's issue from the very, very beginning. Those people just wanted no extra commercialization. Everyone understood, but the optics, because, you know, because the mayor felt challenged and, you know, he just 
in my opinion, gave away a terrible deal to Stewart. You just started giving them away land <laughs> that they didn't need. And I, yeah. I went to Stewart. They said, hey, listen, um, you know, you got about 44,000 square feet, nice and easy to operate, and pretty effectively right down the road yeah. with 24,000. Can you make 44 work? They said, sure. Yeah. But your mayor keeps on telling us he's giving us extra land. I Sorry, <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. I said, fair enough. Yeah. You got to try. I said, I'm going to stop it, but you got to try. And then when we're all done, they said, when we're done, you cut the first ribbon. And I did. And they said, they'll serve me the first milkshake, which they didn't. <laughs> Ooh. I think that Ooh. they gave it to, I think they gave it to like Bill Keeler or somebody. I, well, Keeler. I think, I, I think so. <laughs> so I know. Types, I hold you know, it against. <laughs> I hold it against. Um, but everybody was fine except for the way that the government interacted yeah. with one another. And that loses confidence. Yeah. You know, so to go back to that Trump thing. I am not rooting for the mayor to fail. I hope he's as successful as humanly possible because at the end of the day, his success is mine. But when he is not, and when he's obtuse, just like I am, people call me out. I say things that people don't always appreciate and don't always love. Be ready to answer those questions. Don't hide from them. Well, that's that's the question. Are there people on the left who would watch the world burn just to prove that they were right? And I get scared sometimes that that does exist. There are people who... When Trump went to Korea, we're like, I hope we go to war so I can be like, ha, I was right. Trump's the worst. It's like, do you hope you're right at that point in time? Is it worth it to be right if we're all dead? Are right? you like, yeah, to go back to you. Are you on the right side of history <laughs> yeah. because you want to be right or you just want to be on the, the right winning thing. side? Yeah. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, some people go for the winning mm -hmm. side. Some people go for the right side. And the right side should always be victorious. Joe, i got some later questions for you if you got a few minutes before yeah, I let you course. go. Yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. First off, I just got to ask, we're now in the throes of summertime, full yeah. summertime. Uh, what do you got coming up on the horizon? What are you looking forward to this summertime? Uh, you know, Sam, always, you know, just a lot of family time. We kind of lighten yeah. up a little bit on the council during the summer. Nice. So we only have one meeting a month. Um, so we get to spend a lot of nights okay. together. And, uh, you know, for me, as it always is, being five, six and Italian... Basketball was not a huge sport in my house growing up, and I played baseball, so now my kids are following in that tradition, so I coach them all summer long with baseball, and uh, we have a lot of fun. We you know, we travel as much as we could, so this summer I'm really looking forward to, uh, to my kids enjoying as much of their experience in baseball as possible. And I just got to ask, because, you know, for me, as a big soccer guy, I'm a, I'm addicted to it. Have you paid any attention in all of this World Cup that's going on? Of course on? I have. Any team you've picked up on you're rooting for? Anyone? England and Mexico. England and Mexico. Good man. I appreciate that. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Uh, I do have a couple quick questions here. These are new ones for you. So uh, some of them are uh, serious. Some of them are less serious. Um, give me one thing, Joe Marino, that makes you optimistic about the future. Oh, in general? or Just, just in general. In general. Uh, I, I really, really like the way that kids are being more involved and they're starting to vote a little bit mm. more. I, I, mm. I really do. I think 18-year-olds and, and going on, I think that they're realizing like that, that just marching for marching's sake isn't mm. going to cut it. Yeah. And you really got to start putting in politicians that believe the way that you believe. Mm. So um, I, I always go with youth every time. And I, I really, it's the first time in my life that because my generation didn't feel that way. Yeah. My, my, I, I'm not certainly talking about like the Vietnam War generation yeah. and things like that. I wouldn't even begin to know their their plight and their struggle. But now I kind of with gun violence and you know my niece went to Washington D.C. She goes to a high school one over from Parkland in yeah. Florida. Um, I really think that they're actually going to go vote this time yeah. instead of just be noisy yeah. because my generation was just noisy. We were just. Yeah. You know, ah, oh, that's you know crazy, and you know Bill Clinton this, and you know Monica Lewinsky that, and you know this generation I think is really invested and plugged in. That's really my optimistic point. 
I was in D.C. this week, actually. I had to go there for uh, vacation for... Well, not vacation. Was, we took kids on a field trip up there. And yeah. uh, in one of the more private moments that I was there, when the kids were in the hotel sleeping and I was uh, patrolling the halls, I ran into a person who had, like, sort of the opposite political views of me. We had a... Let's call it a spirited discussion, mm. as much as I could have. Right, right. And, uh, and one of the things that really stuck with me is she said, that's the problem with you kids. Mm-hmm. And I said, lady, I'm 33 years old. I'm not a kid. <laughs> like, and that scared... I think there's sometimes, like, uh, the generation above mine, people in their 50s and 60s and 70s, have a hard time looking at people younger than them as adults. We still seem like kids to them. And that's... And that's scary, too, sometimes. Yeah, I think that that's a defense mechanism, yeah. though. I've yeah. kind of struggled with that, too, and I bet um, Brindisi did. Yeah. Uh, you know, being a young elected official. Yeah. Uh, Samantha Colosimo was very yeah. young when she got elected. No one likes to give up that, that seat. Yeah, yeah, that's, the, you know, it's a power struggle, yeah. and you want to, you know, and, you know, you're always kind of brushed aside. You know, yeah, 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 good good boy, yeah. you know. Now mm. go in the corner and play with your iPad. Mm. Um, you got to kind of fight, you know, and again, it's, it's no different. Bigotry is bigotry is bigotry, yeah. right? So if you're looked down on, which is, you know, the, the major, major bigotry and with race and religion, but there's, you know, ageism, sexism, you know, those things are real and you sometimes have to fight through them and um, it's the people that are strong-willed enough and thick-skinned enough to power through that that will really make a difference and that's why I feel like these kids, uh, these, you know, young adults or I don't care if they're kids, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, they, they're kids, so uh, at this point, I think that, you know, People don't like to give that up, though. You know, the generation before has always been like that, I bet. I think what's interesting about it, too, is uh, this generation of young adults, kids, whatever you want to call them. Right. Uh, anyone, again, anyone younger than me is a kid. Uh, yeah, kids, the same way, yeah. These kids who are um, so good at social media and technology in a way that the they've learned, I hate to use the word weaponize, but they've learned how to use social media sure. and in a way to benefit them and not just be a voice. Because a lot of times social media is just yelling into the void. But a lot of these, especially if you look at the Parkland kids, they used it as a real platform for change. Yeah. Realizing that you are one cell phone click, one tweet, one message away from the people you need to get in touch with if you want to get in touch with somebody, right? Oh, man, yeah. that, there's no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. And, you know, th- there's also the instant gratification of it, which, you know, you, yeah. you know, that's the other side yeah. of social media where it's not so great, but... Um, We're you know, still somewhere in the middle with social media. It's so new. We don't think about it because it's so ingrained in our lives. But again, it's only been ingrained in our lives for like 20 years. We've yet to yeah. figure out the, the middle ground tipping point for where where the cutoff needs to happen. Yeah, and there yeah. will be. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, we're we're kind of navigating <laughs> all together. Oh, we're net blindly sometimes. <laughs> we're sometimes <laughs> blindly, that's right. Um, what is your most uncomfortable social situation? Oh, man. I love your questions. I mean, I try to come back with a quick answer so you don't have dead air. Um, but, um, I don't know. I'm pretty outgoing, so I, I don't... Um, you know, I'll tell you what I, I always find to be uncomfortable, and this is just lightheartedly, is uh, when you're in a church and you do the sign of the peace. I always get a little apprehensive. Always looking around. Shaking. Yeah, just like, who do I go to? Who do I not? Like, is there How, somebody? Yeah, where's the cutoff Where's the cutoff? Line? Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, like, is it three pews am, away? Am I shaking everything? Is it three? Yeah, am I, am I going to walk around for a little while? And I went to an Irish funeral not too long ago. Okay. And, I, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a Catholic household, Italian, Syrian. You go to a funeral, it's very 
sobering, somber. somber. Yeah, yeah. I walked into this Irish funeral. People were like, "So how you been? What's going on?" I'm like, Is, right. "Where am I?" I'm like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "Are we are we having a chat?" Right. right. Yeah. Like, no, I know. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm pretty comfortable, um, you know, socially. But I always find that to be a little right. odd. All right, Dad, give me the first album you ever bought with your own money. Oh, man, I actually remember this. Yes. It was, this is going to sound odd, but it was a Pink Floyd album Mm -hmm. because, no, I bought two at the same time. Pink Floyd album was another brick in the wall because um, I love that that We Don't Need No Education thing by the kids. I was, I don't know, like seven years old. The album was very old. And the other one was, um, it was... uh, don't fear the reaper. Oh, blue oyster cult. Blue oyster yes. cult. I bought them from, and the guy is actually still there. I bought them on vinyl, uh, and the guy is still there on Bleecker Street. He still says, uh, still sells old records. Oh, really? Yeah. Off center guy? Is that off center? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been yeah. off center. I'm, yeah, he's nice. a great guy. Uh, my mother, if you know that spot, my mm. mother actually owned the store that it, it was. It's like a barber shop now. Yeah, the beauty shop is next door to right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, but I, I just, I love that song, Don't Fear the Reaper. And I went in and bought it. And then my brothers all had this, you know, wall album, Pink Floyd. I really didn't know what I was doing at that yeah. one. But, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> first album I ever bought Pink was uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Pink Floyd is the kind of album you might buy early but then appreciate later. You're oh, like, I yeah, love yeah. Pink Floyd now. <laughs> yeah, now yeah, I all. love I didn't know what I was I'm doing a, then. They're in my top ten probably for me growing up. Like, in terms of bands that, like, impacted the way I, like, think about music, like, Floyd... More than a lot of like the classic rock bands, that's the one that resonates with me from some of those bands. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. You know, being an accountant, there's a lot of tedious work that you yeah. do, and you roll through it. Mm-hmm. And I always find myself with, you know, my I could listen to Pink Floyd and mm-hmm. do my work really, really easily. Like if I'm <laughs> listening to something else that's you know like really burying in my mind, yeah. Pink Floyd is a, a really relaxing uh, that and. Michael Bublé slash Frank Sinatra. Yes. I love listening to. That's a that's a generational thing too. I, I grew up with yeah. those Italian parents, and that Sinatra was hard to avoid. There was yeah. definitely a point in time where I also worked in Italian restaurants where I'm like, oh my god, right, right, leave, yeah. Leave the restaurant, go to my dad's house, watch the same songs every time in both these places. I know, but I also feel some sort of deep nostalgic. Pull yeah, you to got it. There's a connection to it. Yeah, I think I've said this before to you. There's a really good cover that Sinatra did of "Leaving on a Jet Plane," which is one of my favorite. I don't think I've ever it's heard. It's really that. good. It's actually yeah. really, really good for our listeners. Look that one up. Uh, and last but not least, before I let you go, uh, Jim, give me one book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. I haven't read a book in uh, about a year and a half now, mm-hmm. a couple of years, but uh, I just finished Westworld. I just watched it before you got here. Are you out on it? Because a lot of my I'm people... all the way done. Yeah, Are you done? Yeah. yeah, I'm all the way done. We're we're definitely going to have a discussion to start this episode today yeah. about it because Heather and Kevin and I are all watching it. All right. Um, I'm not going to give it away with my voice, okay. but I'm just... Yeah. All right. Sorry. Yeah. I don't think that you are alone. I know that uh, at least one of the two Maiden Utica people who runs the Twitter is also out I on love, it. Cause... I love Katie's post. <laughs> yeah, she, I love her post. And I actually on. avoid them until I get caught up. <laughs> I tried to avoid everything. Uh, that's yeah. why I forced them all before you got here. Joe Marino, it's always a pleasure on our Mount Rushmore of guests. Oh, man, you're the always best. A pleasure, Thank you brother. for the honor. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, always a pleasure. And again, we'll support you. We'll see you soon. Back you to the it. show in just a moment, folks.
Uh, I didn't bring it up to uh, Joe at all because I feel like he was going to get uh, jealous. But have you guys seen that Domino's is also paving all the streets? Have I you did. seen <laughs> this marketing? I did. I was like, Joe, Domino's coming in for you. <laughs> is that the best marketing campaign you've ever seen? Like, that's one of the, like, the smarter marketing campaigns. If they're actually doing it, yeah. They are. Do. People are sending their Twitter pictures of it. In like, there. If they're going to keep doing it. Uh, it, would, it would be amazing if more companies and corporations were taking some sort of like civic responsibility <laughs> yeah. and making that part. Because that's the thing. Like the first person to realize, and I think Domino's is going to learn. And I think if this is successful, you're going to see more people go after it. Because I think one of the next big trends coming in like large scale marketing for a lot of these people is if you're marketing to the younger generation, we'll say the 30s and under, even though we're all older, yeah, it probably covers us. But going all the way down people have a really strong sense of respect and they would really like to support a company who is, you know, using their great power and great fortune to do some good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that would make, if there were, you know, more companies doing things like that that were helping make everything a better place with some of their profits and turn into a marketing thing, I would be much more likely to support that business. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's an angle that a lot of these businesses can take and the first people that really lean into it, I think, are going to see a lot of success from the strategy. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. You guys ready for some history lessons? Yes. Uh, again, much like last week, I don't have full pages of stuff to go ripping into because I haven't been at my computer desk, so... We're not sad. I know, you know, <laughs> you guys are sad. Uh, on this day, though, this is the oldest one I have, 1498. Oh. The first toothbrush was invented. Very first toothbrush. It was in, invented in China during the Qing Dynasty, mm-hmm. uh, and it was made of boar bristles. So there you go. Oh boar my bristles. gosh, yeah. you seen boar bristles. Yeah. We use them to clean up rocks when a rock climbing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're brushing your teeth with uh, uh, Boar bristles. You use it for like hairbrush. I've got a boar bristle brush for my beard. Yeah, because mm. you're... This, no. Well, in 1498, they probably weren't having... The, they didn't have the nice toothbrushes we had <laughs> they today. They don't uh, <laughs> uh, It is uh, in the most recent... Uh, I found this on the internet. It was the 2013 Invention Index. It was, a, it was a company that ranked like the most important inventions we couldn't live without as humans. The toothbrush was number three uh, behind the nail... And the wheel. Uh, nail, wheel, toothbrush. You guys want to take a couple of guesses? Anything else was on the list? I got a couple more on there. They're kind of random. Uh, glasses, like the ones I'm wearing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, concrete. Yeah. Okay. The clock. Trees. Soap. The flushing toilet. Trees aren't an invention. <laughs> I mean, that's what I just said. Did I really say You trees? did say trees. I'm tired today. They're a great invention. One of the greatest two inventions, we invented trees. <laughs> uh, the flushing <laughs> toilet, <laughs> the refrigerator, and the personal computer. Those are all on the list. Sorry, guys. Hmm. Uh, all right, what else we got in here? <laughs> on this day, 1876, was the Battle of Little Bighorn. Do you guys know what, you know what that one is, Heather? You aware about the lap, Battle of Little Bighorn? No. That's General Custer. Oh, okay. The Indians. Great. Yeah, Custer's last stand. Great. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was actually, when I was in D.C., one of the museums we went to was the American Museum, the American Indian Museum, which is the actual name of it, which I thought was weird. I was like, I'm surprised they're still using the name American Indian for it. I figured it would be like the yeah. Indigenous Peoples Museum or something. But it's actually a really, really, uh, it's a very, very cool museum. And one of the things they talk about with the Battle of Little Bighorn is this is like, this is one of the defining moments for creating, like, the idea of the, the, what we like, the noble savage character in American ethos. Like, this honorable warrior character comes from this moment. Like, it was also the first time up to that point that the U.S. Uh, was defeated by, like, by the Sioux and the Cherokee in this way that they didn't think was possible anymore. This was the last major time that, uh, indigenous tribes took out American troops on American soil, uh, 
you know, we don't talk about what happened to uh, to Custer and the rest of his tribe after this as much as we talk about this battle. This battle sort of helped create the image of, our, of the American West in our head. That was what I got from the museum. I didn't come up with all that by myself. So, there you go. <laughs> I don't have more on that, really. That's it. That's I good. just, yeah. Um, all right. On this day in 1997, the very first Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, was released. Uh, Sorcerer's Stone? It was changed to Sorcerer's Stone in America. Huh. Uh, because sorcerer is one of those weird things in Europe that they don't, it's like a, a banned word, like it's a witchcraft type thing. So Philosopher's was the name in in Europe. Huh. In America, it was the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, it is one of about seven books that have sold more than 100 million copies on its own. It sold 120 million copies. Uh, the rest of the Harry Potter series is sold between 65 and 77 million each, meaning the whole franchise has sold 50 million copies worldwide. Uh, five, sorry, 500 million copies worldwide. It's pretty amazing. Um, when you think of like the big American brands, not even American, like the big pop culture brands worldwide, you think sure. of like what Star Wars, Marvel, and like Harry Potter sort of forced its way into that, really. You think it's only been like 21 years, mm-hmm. right? And it's probably the fourth or fifth biggest brand, full well, stop. To be fair, 21 years is a really long time. Yeah, it's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, it's just crazy. It's hard for new IP to sort of, like, come in, right? Like, Star Wars is a revamp of older IP. All this Marvel-like stuff existed in the 50s and 40s, right? Harry Potter is still yeah. relatively new compared to those things. Mm-hmm. I just I think it's very impressive, even though it doesn't resonate. particularly resonate for me. I, no, I, tried, I remember I tried to read that first book when it was all the rage, that, like, first year that it was out. And I read it, but it was just too... I think I was too grown up of a reader. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Like, it just it felt very... I'm like, oh, this is neat, but this is very much like a kid's book. Something about the, the namings of the characters and all the stuff when I was reading through the first... I was a little... I was like... What, it was all too puff? silly. Yeah, 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 it's all very yeah, yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. It like, was all too, like, this is just... Yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you Yeah, mean, yeah. Actually. That was my big problem with it. Do you guys know what the number one uh, best-selling book of all time is? Single book? The Bible? Uh, no, like fiction books. The, the Bible. All <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. uh, not the Bible. It's not the Bible. Um, uh, Don Quixote is the number one bestseller. Oh, uh, Don Quixote was a satire from 1605 about an old Spanish conquistador. It was written by Miguel Cervantes. You read it? Uh, I read it in, read it in school. school yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's you the, read the whole thing, but like you read like you'll do a segment on it. Or something yeah, like it's that. like an important book that has also sold 500 million copies. Although it has had 392 years head start on the Harry Potter series, <laughs> so good good luck for them. Mm. Uh, all right, and what else did I have? Oh yeah, two movies were released on this day, 1996. The classic sci-fi action film Independence Day was released, starring Will Smith. Jeff Goldblum and Bill Pullman. Is it weird that Jeff Goldblum is like a sex symbol now? Yeah, I he's feel like a like big a time of, sex symbol. He really is, and it came out of nowhere. <laughs> kind of came like, out of nowhere, like when he was younger. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. He know. was. He was considered back then too. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, they've been looking at him, having him posing up for a long time. We just didn't really like see it because we weren't really. Well, old it suddenly just came out now recently. I feel like he's become like mainstream sex symbol now. Uh, he was like a sex symbol for a certain demographic of people. Like I remember when they showed Brooklyn, and when I was in Brooklyn, they showed Jurassic Park in the uh, park for free one night. And there's that scene where Goldblum is at like his shirt cut open, and he's got the black shirt on. He's like laying 
on the table, and people in the crowd audibly were like yipping. Sweat. Like, woo! Yeah! Goldblum! I was like, wow, really? Goldblum? Skinny guys um, are in. <laughs> in 96, you would say that Will Smith was like, this was the point where it's like, yo, Will Smith is going to be the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, kind of... Not much happened. Was for a little while. Like Men in Black. Yeah, he was for a little while. Was, uh, was me- yeah, maybe was we didn't we did John Travolta last week. Maybe one of these days we'll do the Will Smith filmography. We'll try yes, and figure out where it went wrong. He's a good one. It'll for... be Wild Wild West. Wow, oh, there's no. That good... was the down. That'll that be it. Is. Was there no good Will Smith movie after Wild no. Wild West? Uh, I mean, sure. There it, it was, was Ali after that. Scale. Was Ali yeah, good? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. I haven't seen. Ali. I haven't seen Ali. Uh, all right, and then also on this day uh, earlier, 1988, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was released. I loved Movie. I was just gonna ask if you had to watch one of these two movies right now. What are you more interested in watching, Independence Day or Who Framed Roger Rabbit? If I'm watching by myself, probably Independence Day. If I'm watching with other people, probably Who Framed Roger Rabbit. See, I would flip that around. Okay. If I'm watching it by myself, I'm intrigued by Roger Rabbit. But I think there's more comedy to be mined from like hate watching Independence Day with a bunch of Why people. Why would you hate watch? Because it's fun to like talk trash about the movie when you're watching it sometimes, especially if you know the movie already. You can laugh. Like we we hate watched fight uh, Face Off a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago. We like just watched. I didn't all... know we were hating. <laughs> I had no idea we were Sam hating. Was. I was. Yeah. I mean that in the you nicest possible way. Like it's uh, all right. And, uh, all right, all, all right. right, I'm moving on. <laughs> and uh, and one last piece of history. I don't have much for us again. World Cup thing on this day, 2014. Uh, one of my favorite players at the time, Liverpool player, then current Barcelona player, Luis Suarez, was charged with biting an opponent during the 2014 World Cup. This was the third time in his career <laughs> that he had been charged with biting another player. Chewed on this man. I'm working on my two-year-old and not biting. I know. What, what did no, you do for him? Because said, don't do that. Stop. <laughs> I can't imagine. You know, I, I guess it is what it is. Like I don't, I don't understand it. Like you just lash out in moments. But I feel like if I was gonna lash out, the way I would do it is not with my teeth. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like I'd be more willing to punch somebody or headbutt. Why the teeth? Why the bite? It's not, it's not more subtle. I'm more scared that somebody of someone biting me than punching me. Like That's true. They might think you're a crazy like, person. He's gonna eat me. Yeah, it's a psychological <laughs> warfare. Oh, I feel like I'd much rather have somebody trying to come in and bite me than I would trying to punch me. I don't know. Because mm. like, don't know what's gonna happen. Like, I'm not know. gonna let. I'm not gonna you let can... you bite me. I don't know. Well, you might not. be able to you're get a not. punch <laughs> in. Not biting me. <laughs> well, nobody's biting Kevin. I. It's not entirely true. You know what I mean. No, I know. Let's move, let's move on from that. <laughs> Moving on from Luis Suarez biting people. Uh, he's still in the World Cup this year, so uh, Uruguay's still in, so there's a good chance he could still bite someone in this current World That's Cup. That's what I'm pulling for. <laughs> Keep your eye out for any... That's when soccer gets fun. That's what's going to happen. We're going to... I'm going to put this up, and then during a game tomorrow morning, he's going to bite somebody, and this is going to be bite dating somebody. now. Yeah. Suarez. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, uh, this is just a little very, very quick doomsday report. Uh, I just read an article today that 7 out of 10 Americans are falling behind on having emergency savings in case yeah. something yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do any of you guys have emergency savings if something yeah. were to happen? Yeah, absolutely. I do not. So I fall in that 7 of 10 Americans. If I get hit by a car tomorrow, it's a problem. When they talk about even when they start doing the statistics, people save for emergencies. But they say even the statistics get even more bleak when you start talking about like what people have saved as an emergency. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because for a lot of it, they'll count like if you have a thousand bucks, they'll consider okay, well you have an emergency fund, so we'll count it this way. But a lot of things that could happen where a thousand bucks aren't really gonna, you know, it's not gonna no, keep you floating and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. they say, like technically financial planners, people like that, will tell you, you should have at least. 
three months full living expenses saved up in an emergency fund, like everything top to bottom. And it's, I don't think almost anybody, you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's, it's daunting when you, for a guy who's like in my place, right. Where, you know, I'm trying to, to get in a place where I can start saving more money. Right. And start mm-hmm. building something for myself. And I read all these articles and it's like, Oh, when you're 35, you're supposed to have three times your salary saved. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Are you, what is this? A, is this a troll job? Because I don't. So I could use three times my salary yeah. saved. Um, yeah, it's. Those are the realities of the world that I think that weigh on me the most when I'm, like, sitting around in my private time. Like, the stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I wish I was building more equity, right? And that's a yeah. scary thing. One thing is, too, is, like, more millennials now are going in debt because they're yeah. just ranking up the credit card mm-hmm. debt and they're... Um, going to college. Yeah, and they want to look good with everything they have, so they all have no money. So. This is a tough fear for them. We, we know people like that who, I mean... Who live their whole life because they need to have the newest, the fanciest, the freshest, mm-hmm. everything, it's and they crazy. just they ride credit cards all the way to the moon. It's like I don't understand what you think. It's, one day, <laughs> one day it's gonna come back for you. Yeah, when you're sixty and you can't retire. <laughs> I have two quick. Uh, I'm done with these guys this week. I have two of them. I couldn't decide who I disliked worse. Uh, first one is uh, acting ICE uh. director uh, Thomas Homan. H O M A N. Homan, human. It's probably not human. He doesn't seem very human. Um, who said who uh, said that uh, ICE officers can't be compared to Nazis since uh, they're just following orders enacted by Congress, mm. as if the Nazis, like Nazis were out here just working like freewheeling, all working for themselves. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on, dude, <laughs> come on, my dude, like, you gotta know that's a bad look. And of course, the other one uh, is Corey Lewandowski, uh, who uh, was earlier this week uh, insulted a child. Uh, mocked a child with Down syndrome uh, using the womp womp thing that people yeah. were sort of joking about. I mean, I, we all knew Corey Lewandowski was a scumbag anyway, so I don't know why this is. This is not surprising to me. I just, you know. I'm it's done. surprising to see somebody do that unhinged on public television like that. Like, not unhinged. Anymore, is it, though? Brazen. I feel like it's getting yeah, pretty... It's, it's I feel another like it's step. Coming, it's another step. I think it's more of a weekly thing now. Yeah, we've opened <laughs> the floodgate for it now. You can say whatever they want now. Uh, and I got two stories here that are a little more, I guess, somewhat more uplifting. Uh, well, they're more uplifting than those. Uh, guys, do you know that scientists say that we will be able to recreate living dinosaurs within the I next heard. five years? I heard that. Science. I'm going... All about coulda, not about shoulda. I know, right? <laughs> and people are going to die. <laughs> I'm going to go see Jurassic uh, World Fallen Kingdom on Wednesday. It's my nephew's birthday, and he really, really wants to go. So I'm nice. going to see it with him. So I'll let you know what the movies think about our dinosaur future and what it will look like. Obviously, these people haven't watched Jurassic Park, so. <laughs> I mean, again, do we need? I like I love dinosaurs. Oh, I have a dinosaur tattoo. I don't know if I need <laughs> real dinosaurs right now or within the next five years, sure. considering the way things seem to be going. Because I feel like what's going to happen is Trump's going to be like, we're going to take the dinosaurs and we're going to put armor and weaponry on them and we're going to have a dino force to go with our space force. And it'll guard the wall. Yeah, it'll guard the wall. Just think about a big, beautiful raptor with a chainsaw on his forehead. Just like, yeah, that's what we're going to get. That's what it'll be. It'll be horrifying. Matter of fact, that's actually the plot for this current Jurassic Park movie. Oh. <laughs> um, all right, and this is a story that I I had to share with you guys. I just, okay, this is going to take a little bit of a, a lead-in, all right? In the order... The Order of the Sons of Italy in America is furious 
with the Staten Island Yankees, who are a uh, AAA affiliate of the New York Yankees. Now, okay. And they've pulled out of attending the July 21st game uh, and canceled the team's Italian Heritage Night at the same night. Why did they do this? Because the Staten Island Yankees have temporarily rebranded uh, as the New York Pizza Rats, okay? Now, they did this after the meme, the Pizza Rat. Do you remember the Pizza Rat meme? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, this happens a lot in minor league baseball because to get fans out to minor league baseball, they have to come up with these wild gimmicks. And much like Major Major League Baseball, which is very stodgy, minor league baseball is pretty loose with what they'll let you do for their teams. There's all sorts of, like, Stranger Things nights and Simpsons nights. So, they rebranded themselves as... Uh, the New York Pizza Rats and the New York chapter of the Sons of Italy are very upset. They don't want to be involved. I just wanted to read some of this letter to you um. to see, because it's very clear that they do not know what the Pizza Rat meme is. They think this is some slander against the Italians. I just wanted to read this to you in the voice of my father, because it makes the most sense. Dear Pizza Rats... That's not what it says. Uh, <laughs> it is with significant disappointment that I am informing you of the cancellation of our Italian heritage celebration that was scheduled to be held at your stadium on July 21st. Uh, the cancellation results in response to current changes in Staten Island Yankees management uh, supporting our positive image. Uh, these changes were as follows. <clears throat> Staten Island management has decided to promote the New York Yankees Staten Island team by temporarily renaming it the Staten Island Pizza Rats. Yes, I would not kid you about such a thing. If you were <laughs> slapping your forehead and asking, what are they thinking? You are not alone. In their infinite wisdom, they have decided to add rats to the word pizza. Yes, that's right, pizza. One of the few positive things people automatically associate with Italians and Italy, <laughs> to say the least. That's a pizza topping that gives me a bad case of agita. That's a real letter that somebody wrote. It's funny. Like, come on, dude. I, I mean. I don't know, man. I, I, I hear him. I get what they're saying. I understood. I mean, I just... I don't know, man. Do you think that they just responded by sending them a video of the pizza rat? Like, I don't understand. I want to know what the response was. To I need to know. Uh, so if I find out any update Please. on that story, I will update you guys next week on Pizza Rat Gate, which is what I'm calling this now. Um, guys, that's it. That's all I have today. Anything else you guys want before we head out today? Anything you guys have Nothing to say? I can oh, think good. of. All right, uh, that's it. Again, folks, uh, I will link everything for the uh, Levitt AMP stuff that's going on uh, today, Monday night, every Monday night from now through the end of August. Uh, and I'll try and get Michelle on again. Thanks to Joe Marino for being on the show. Thanks to Heather Waz, who's here every Monday, like clockwork. I am. Follow Heather on Twitter <laughs> at HeatherWaz1. Uh, follow Kevin. It's the summer of Kevin. He's got a lot more time to tweet now. I may tweet. He wow. may tweet. Uh, Kevin I tweeted something the other day, but oh. it was a little bit too serious. And too spicy of a take Ooh. to just drop out of nowhere. Are you calling it a spicy take? That's inappropriate. No, thank you. Uh, right, right, <laughs> no, uh, no, thank you. Follow the show at Uticast. Uh, we are on uh, Android, taking over the web on Android. Number one podcast on Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, MadeInUtica.com, Uticast.com for all current and back episodes uh pizza rat lives woodstock also lives uh keep it tight humanoids uh that's it uh we'll be back on next week for another we'll be back on next week we'll be back on next week Mm -hmm. all right
Bye.